We have made it finally to Christmas week. How many of you have been waiting for this week to arrive since March? All right. I know some of you have been preparing since Easter, and some of you put up Christmas decorations in October. You know who you are. That's all right. We've been waiting for this week to get here, and I just want to extend this encouragement to everyone here in the room, everybody watching online uh, this morning or catching up later in the week. Make Christ the center of your family's Christmas celebration. I know the temptation for us this year is to go bigger and better and try to overcome uh, what we've been through this year. But so much of that can be empty promises, and let's just root ourselves in Christ. I hope that you are able to worship with us on Christmas Eve. If you haven't already signed up, uh, we are full for our services, but we do encourage you to join us online Uh, We'll be live streaming 4 and 5.30. Love for you to be a part of us, or maybe you'll be traveling or somewhere else uh, other than home, and you can join with us online as well. We're going to go online only on December 27th. That's just a way to uh, honor you and honor our servant leaders, especially knowing that so many of us are going to try to gather with family over Christmas, and we want to just make sure that we're all safe. So we're going to go online only on Sunday, December 27th. And then I want to share something that I'm very excited about uh, that we're going to start in January. I've had so many conversations with a lot of you, and in my own life, we have the best of intentions coming into January, and we say to ourselves, I'm gonna, this is the year I'm going to read through the Bible, I'm going to get God's Word, I'm going to walk through it, and then we get somewhere between like Leviticus and Numbers, and we kind of just grow weary, and we lose pace. And what we wanted to do going into 2021 is we want to partner with you that you might know the overarching story of the thread of Christ, the thread of the redemption of God that we read from Genesis to Revelation. So we're committing ourselves to teach through the Bible from January to Easter the whole story of God's Scripture, Genesis to Revelation. And we want you to partner with us. So we've created a reading guide called our Thread Reading Guide. And you can pick one of those up in the room here today, or you can come by the church and grab one. Or uh, if you're worshiping with us online, these should be available on our website in the next few days. So be watching for that. Uh, But this is a way for you to get the whole story of Scripture, Genesis to Revelation, hitting the highlights where we won't bog down, uh, and we can read this together. So encourage you to join us in that. We're going to start teaching January 3rd, and the reading starts January 4th. Really do hope that we can all be reading through God's Word together as we lead up to Easter. But today we're continuing in our series, Truth and Tradition. We started this last week. And we lifted up the reality. It's so true for so many of us. Uh, A smell can bring you back to a place and time. An old photo, and you can be right back in a conversation again. And it's true for all of us that there's power in the tradition of the songs that we sing. There's truth and meaning that resonates with us in ways that we just don't fully comprehend. And so we thought, how cool would it be for us to take this Christmas and us look at the truth and the songs that we sing each and every Christmas? So today we're going to be looking at a song many of us are familiar with, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. A little bit of background. Uh, In 1739, a guy named Charles Wesley 
not long after he had given his life to Jesus, is walking to church on a Christmas day. He hears the Christmas bells ringing. He's inspired by the meaning of Christmas, and he sits down with pen and paper, and he writes a poem. A few years later, a good friend of his and a good friend of his brother, John Wesley, a guy named George Whitfield, put the words to song, and it's become the song that we know as Hark the Herald Angels Sing. So let's take a look at the words. Uh, so often we sing without thinking about what we're singing. So let's take a look at these words. What is the truth and the tradition of Hark the Herald Angels Sing? Verse 1. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Right out of the gate, verse 1, the words are inviting us into the truth that Jesus comes to bring peace. Verse 2, Christ, by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, Hail the incarnate deity, pleased with us in flesh to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Incarnate, the Emmanuel, God with us. How does Jesus come to bring peace? By taking on human flesh. He took on our life. He moved into our world that we could see the face of God, that he would know us and we could know him. Jesus brings peace through his life. Verse 3. Hail the heavenly prince of peace. There it is again. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. What is the peace that Christ brings? It is healing. It is spiritual redemption. It is the hope of new life. That this is not all that there is, what we see around us. There is more to come. And then verses 4 and 5. Come, desire of nations. Come, fix in us thy humble home. Rise the woman's conquering seed. Bruise in us the serpent's head. Now display thy saving power. Ruin nature, now restore now in mystic union, join thine to ours and ours to thine. Verse 5. Adam's likeness, Lord, efface. Stamp thine image in its place. Second Adam from above, reinstate in us thy love. Let us thee, though lost, regain. Thee, the life, the inner man. O to all thyself in part, formed in each believing heart. Verses 4 and 5 leading us to the truth. How is it that Christ brings peace to us? It's that he works out peace in us, transforming us, making our lives just like Christ. That what we think and what we feel, how we act, how we relate to others is being shaped literally by the work of God in us. All of us want peace. Not just at Christmas time. But in every part and area, area of life, right? We want things to be peaceful. But when we talk about peace, what do we really mean? Most of us, when we say the word peace, what we're talking about is we want a lack of tension and difficulty. 
We want things to be easy. We want things to be smooth. We don't want any challenges. We don't want to have to work any, through any tough stuff. But the biblical concept of peace is so much more than just a lack of tension or difficulty. Let's take another look. What was the message of the angels of peace? We talked about this last week that came to the shepherds. Verse 14, Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The word here for peace is the word irony. Uh, or the Hebrew version of that word is the word shalom. It literally means to make things right, to make things whole, complete, to make things well. This is not just a lack of struggle, a lack of tension, a lack of having to walk through the hard things, but it is moving perhaps through the hard things to make things the way that they should be, the way God intended them to be, to bring wellness and health and wholeness. This is the message of peace that the angels bring. But here's what we're going to discover about this kind of peace. First, this peace does not come easy. It is costly. It is difficult. It often, to make things right and good and well and whole, we have to move through the hard things, not around them. And the second truth that we're going to find is that it requires a choice of you and me. If I want peace in my life, I have to choose the way of peace. Now we're going to actually get some insight into how Jesus is going to bring peace and what this peace looks like from a guy named Simeon. Now Simeon just has a very small part of God's story revealed in the Gospels, but it's an incredibly important part. Simeon is going to bring a prophecy that shows us what peace looks like and how it's going to come. Jesus has been born. Mary and Joseph uh, are taking their logical next steps as good, faithful Jewish followers of God. And they take Jesus and they go to Jerusalem. They go to the temple and Mary is to be purified. And Jesus is the firstborn is to be dedicated to the Lord following the law of God. They get into the temple and they encounter a man named Simeon who's been waiting for God to move. And Simeon sees Mary and Joseph with the child, and he's filled with the Spirit of God, and he encounters them, and he brings this prophecy that we pick up on, Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in the second half of verse 27. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, the child is destined to cause the fall, falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Certainly Simeon 
is delivering a message that Jesus is going to usher in a new reality. He's going to complete the work of God. He's going to bring it to a finish. He is going to bring peace. But this is a peace that is going to cost something. It's a peace that requires a hardship, a struggle. Simeon lifts up the reality that, that many, rather than rising with the gift that God will give, are going to fall because they just cannot bring themselves to surrender to the work that God is doing. They cannot bring themselves to receive the gift that God is giving. And rather than surrendering to the, the Lord of the universe, they will come against and they will be a sign that will be spoken against. And it's going to cost Mary it's going to pierce her soul, the suffering that her son will have to walk through to bring us peace. And ultimately, the message that Simeon is pointing to is the reality that you and I have to choose. Are we willing to surrender, to submit, to follow the Prince of Peace? Will we insist on our own way, determined to do it uh, the way we think we need to do it, determined by pride that we don't need the grace and the mercy of God, that we don't want God to tell us how to live our lives? Or will we be willing to say, God, I am all in with you. Whatever the call, whatever the cost, I am yours. The answer is yes. And in return, receive the peace that only Jesus can bring. Now, when we're willing to do that, when we're willing to submit, to surrender, to go all in, to say, Jesus, whatever the call, the answer is yes. What is the peace that we receive? A couple of things. First, it's that God is bringing peace in me. He's bringing peace in me. Simeon says, God, I can go, I can die in peace now. Why? Because I've seen your salvation. In this child, in this baby, I see a future, God, of what you are going to do and what you're going to do through Jesus as you are going to save. You are going to set us free. That even though humanity has turned away, we've rejected you, God. We've rejected your ways. We've been determined to do it our way. We want what we want, how we want it, when we want it. And we hurt ourselves and others in spite of that because of your love. Through this child, you are coming to save and you will set us free from sin and death and the chains that hold us. Because the truth is, for all of us, there's a battle raging inside. We all have those hurts, those hang-ups, those habits that pull us away from what God intends for us, why he's created us. We, we are pulled toward temptation. We're pulled toward selfishness, toward this just rejection of God and, and his truth. And we are often in chains because of that war happening in us. But we don't have to be held captive and enslaved by temptation anymore. That Jesus comes to enable us by the Spirit of God as he gives the Spirit to those who trust in him to choose God, to choose his ways, to walk away from sin and move toward God. And here's the hard part. It often doesn't happen overnight. It rarely, if ever, happens without the effort to join with God, and it never happens without surrender. We cannot walk away from sin on our own willpower, our own effort, our own might. It requires a submission to God. But even still, God can set us free. 
He can set us free from the temptations, from that war within us. He can set us free from the shame of our failure. I wonder how many of us are still living in yesteryear where we did this, or we failed here, where we made a mistake, where it all fell apart, where we broke that relationship, where everything began to go wrong, where we turned away from God and we hurt ourselves and others, and we're still living there as if that was the reality of who we are today. And Jesus is calling to us saying, that is not who you are. I paid the price for that. I have redeemed you, and who I say you are is you are my son, you are my daughter. I I paid a price to call you that. Or maybe we're living in the title that was given us that somebody said you never live up to this, or you'll never be able to do that, or you're never going to be good enough. What's wrong with you? Or maybe there was a lack of words or a lack of presence, and we took that to be the truth of who we are. And we're still living in that. And Jesus would say, don't you know that I'm your father? And I'm pursuing and I'm chasing you and I've given you a new name. He comes to set us free from the shame of our failures. He also comes to set us free from this divided search for hope. I don't know if you're anything like me, but even as a pastor, I struggle with this where I know in my head that my only hope is in Jesus. My, my only hope for the, a fulfilling life, a purposeful life, a, a eternal life is found by submitting, surrendering, pursuing, chasing as God chases me to pursue Christ in my life and to put him as the only one on the throne. And even while I know that, I still find myself saying, well, yeah, I know Jesus is my only hope, but I bet this job will really help. I know that Jesus is my only hope, but I bet this relationship is really going to help. I know that Jesus is my only hope, but I bet if I buy this or do that or go there or participate in this, I bet that'll help. And I've got this divided search for hope in my life. Jesus comes to set us free from that, to solidify with us that the hope that he gives is sure. It can be counted on. He's faithful. Jesus comes to bring peace in me. And as I let Jesus come to bring peace in me, something incredible happens. He also comes to bring peace through me. Simeon says, God, I can die now. I, I have peace. I've seen your salvation that you have placed before the nation's. In other words, what Simeon is saying is, God, the the salvation that you come to bring is a, a salvation for all people. You have laid it bare for all to see that you're inviting all people to make that choice. That the gift, when Jesus came to earth, when he was born in a stable, when he was born on the humble circumstances, he came to say that this gift I come to bring is not just for the royal and the rich and the wealthy and all who have it all together or have a certain last name or heritage. This is for all people who would come to me. Jesus comes to bring peace through me to the world. Did you know that God can and will work through you to mend and restore those broken relationships in your life? A lot of those seem to bubble up to the surface this time of year, don't they? That family member, that coworker, that neighbor, that friend. 
that we just can't seem to get life right with, and there's always that tension, and you try to be nice, and you try to be cordial, but it's always there under the surface, and you're always kind of wondering, will it ever be different? And Jesus is coming to say, I can bring peace through you, that forgiveness is actually a possibility, that I can work, if you will ask me, I can work in you to bring forgiveness to them. If you will ask me, I can work in their heart to bring forgiveness to you. I can work in you to say the right words or be present in the right way or have the right spirit that a restoration of that relationship is actually possible. And it may be a situation where we have to come daily, every morning, God help me forgive, God help me forgive, God work out forgiveness in me because I'm not feeling it today, but I want to forgive them. God, I'm choosing forgiveness even though I don't feel it. God, work it out in me. And God can bring peace through me to restore. God can bring peace through me to help the broken around me, to encourage and support. What better time than at Christmas when God gave the gift of his son for us to say, how do I give the gift of my life to somebody else? To look around and listen, who's broken? Who's hurting? Who needs some, some encouragement and support? What might happen to just transform DeSoto County if Getwell Church made the commitment this Christmas that said, I'm going to wake up every morning. God, who can I encourage and support today? It's a dangerous prayer because God answers prayers. And if we ask him, God, who can I encourage and support today? God is likely to give you a name. It's going to pop in your mind. It's going to pop in your heart. And then you got to, you got to do something with it, right? You got a choice to make. Am I going to follow the way of God or am I going to insist on my own way? And as God brings those names, I want to ask us to commit to do two things. First is that we will pray for that person. God moves in prayer. God answers prayers. God is faithful in, in when his people pray. And if he stirs your heart to lift up someone in prayer, he is ready to move. And so if we, I want to ask us to commit to pray for those people, for peace in their life, for that arini, for that shalom, that God will be working wellness and wholeness and rightness in and through their life. And then I want to ask you to commit to share. Send a text, send a card, make a phone call just to say, hey, God put you on my heart, on my mind. Maybe I know everything going on. Maybe I don't, but I'm praying for God to encourage you in specific ways. And I just wanted you to know, how that, might that transform our, our workplaces, our, our school, our neighborhood, our county, our families, if we committed for God to bring peace through me? And then finally, I think this is the most important of all, is that Jesus came to bring peace with God. Verse 30, Simeon says, God, I have seen your salvation. If you have your Bible, I just want you to underline that word, your. God, I've seen your salvation, not my salvation, God. This is not what I manipulated or worked out or planned or manufactured or structured or put it together. God, this is your plan and your path and your work. I say it all the time. Jesus came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. This is your salvation working its way in and through the world. This is what only you could do. And I know that so many times that Satan, what he wants most of all is for you to question that work of God for you. Let me just speak over you. God so loved, not just the world, God so loved you that he gave 
his only son. Please understand, God does not love you for what you do. God loves you for who you are. You are his son, you are his daughter. Before God laid the foundations of the earth, he knew your days, he knew the hairs on your head, he knew every word you would speak, every thought you would think, every feeling you would feel. He knows every relationship, every event that's gonna happen in your life, and Jesus chose you. Not just the world in some kind of general place, he, he, he chose you. And he came to save in you and set you free and give you life and hope and a purpose by God's plan. And when we question God's activity, let us look for God's presence. The assurance of our salvation that when I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and I trust with my heart that I will follow him, God's gift is the gift of his presence by his Holy Spirit living in me that I am one with God through Christ by faith and he is with me. So when we begin to question the work of God, let's look for the presence of God. See, the promise of salvation is in the presence of the Savior. And so we look, where's God at work? Those little miracles or maybe big miracles. How about those times where you think a thought out of the blue that could not be of you? How about those times where you're convicted of your own sin, not in a way that you feel just shame, but in a way that you're spurred on to move back to God and His love? What about all those things that work out that we call coincidence, but they seem to happen again and again and again? How about just the stirring of that feeling of there's something more in the room than just what meets the eye? When we long for the promise of salvation, we look for the presence of the Savior. God with us, Emmanuel. I wanna encourage you to let God bring peace into your life, not a manufactured kind of peace where we ignore the problems and act like they're not there. And we don't talk to those people because we know where that conversation's gonna go and all those kinds of peace where we don't want tension or difficulty, but real peace that often requires us to go through the hard stuff to bring what is right and good, complete, whole, and well. To bring arini, to bring shalom kind of peace. Will you receive that gift that Christ brings? I'm gonna invite you to stand each and every week. We close out with song and as we sing, these altar rails are open. I have no idea what's going on in your life this week. It could be that you need to come and say, God, there's a war inside, there's anxiety, there's fear, there's worry, there's stress, there's tension, there's all this stuff, God, I need you to bring peace in me. It might be that there's somebody you're gonna see this Christmas or talk to or somebody that's in your life and you need God to bring peace through you. Or maybe it could be we need to celebrate that God has brought peace with him. Or my goodness, maybe today could be the day that you receive the peace that God brings with him. That you would trust with your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior.
Whatever's going on in your life, I know that the Lord wants to meet with you. Guys at home, you can pray there at home. You can pray in your seats. You can come to the altar. You can wave me or Hunter over if you'd like us to pray with you. But receive that gift of Christ that he comes to bring. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are the Prince of Peace, that you sent your son Jesus to bring peace. Not an easy way, not to walk around the difficult things, but he entered into death. He entered into brokenness. He entered into sin, that he could defeat sin. He could defeat death. He could rise from the dead, that he could make the tomb empty, that he could breathe life into the church, that the Holy Spirit would come and indwell in us. Thank you for that kind of peace, God. Our world is so broken. We are broken. God, we need you to bring peace in us and through us and to bring peace with you, Lord. Thank you for the gift that you give. Please give us faith to receive. God, we surrender to you. We want you to do what only you can do for our good, for your glory. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.